Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join me in an overcast yet empty capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Scott Davidson, new product development director at Glencairn Crystal, a leading manufacturer of bespoke crystal and glass. Scott, hello. Good morning, Matthew. Nice to speak to you. Good morning. Pleasure to speak to you. Thank you for coming on the show today. Um, now, uh, before we actually get into our conversation on leadership, uh, we must address the ongoing COVID-19 situation. How has this affected your business? Well, it's, it's quite strange. Um, we've got various parts to our business. Um, so some things like anything involved with events or with uh, sort of bricks and mortar retail has uh, obviously paused. Uh, during this, but the majority of our work is very much in sort of like sort of global supply of products around the world of the, our glasses and decanters for whiskey in the drinks industry. So that's very much not stopping. If anything, it's continuing without a breath, without abatement. So it's, uh, we are looking at it all with great interest. It's such a strange time right now. Absolutely, but we're keeping busy. We're keeping busy. That's the that's the that's the positive side to it. Now uh, you um, do do some premium packaging products uh, for uh, major brands, and as we've seen a, a major spike in the uh, consumption of, uh, of spirits at the moment, um, have you had increased orders from that, or or people tending to go to the uh, bargain basement blanc? Well, we, 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 I'm watching this quite intra, quite uh, closely to find out what is the what is the attitude of the atmosphere. Um, but um, people are reflecting on it and saying, in 2008 crisis, um, there was a, an overall drop in volume of uh, in demand for for alcohol. But what happened conversely was the quality rocketed. So people were, instead of drinking cheap booze, were actually saying, no, I'm going to enjoy my, my, my whiskey <laughs> yes. while I stress out. So they were actually having much higher experiences that were seeking much more premium experiences and that has benefited the industry as a whole mm. um, from moving from sort of like heavy consumption to that sort of more sip and savour experience. So mm. it's, it's been quite, it's quite good. And so when we're looking at it now, we're wondering whether it will actually be continuing um, uh, in this occasion as well. But you, it's really hard to tell what the atmosphere is actually going to be like uh, whether people are more worried about uh, depression or is it just uh, an, an, unexplained, an unexplained phenomenon that the world has still to get their head around how we work, how we deal with it in this, uh, in these modern times. Mm-hmm. It's not the pandemic of the past where uh, millions of people died, but it's still got a massive impact and people are trying to work out how that works. Absolutely. I'm watching it very closely too, just like everybody else. Now, of course, uh, leadership is what we're here to discuss. And I always like to start this conversation off with a very simple question. What does the word leader mean to you? Uh, I, I thought about this uh, when I was listening to your, uh, some of your other podcasts, um, trying to work out what does leader mean to me. And, and leader seems very much uh, a different thing for for Glencairn, um, for me, it's, uh, it's 
based on our family values uh, as a family business. So it's a collaborative engagement of your people you work with to help build your business and sustain your business. So for me, leadership is taking the responsibility, decision level making at a certain level on the basis that everybody else is helping me call those supporting decisions uh, uh, around me. Now, of course, uh, when leading the people around you, uh, there has to be different approaches for different individuals, doesn't there? Um, do you feel that uh, within uh, the con- uh, construct of a family business, as as you are a family business, there has to be a very different sort of leadership than there does uh, within a purely corporate environment? Um, not necessarily. I think there's an evolutionary nature to a to uh, every business uh, when you start off if maybe if your family uh, we follow our family values in terms of you know we look after everybody uh, and are respectful to everybody because if they were a family member um, because the, you know we've always followed our relationships we have with all of our employees very closely and that term of engagement to get the best out of people um, rather than firing instructions at a person we don't think that's mm. Uh, conducive to a great working environment, and we tend to believe in creating a great, work, a good working environment to let ideas, evolution of the business, all be supported. Um, it's really important to us. Now, of course, uh, there are many different types of leadership, uh, but all leadership comes from somewhere. Um, who would you say are your role models? Your leadership role models? Gosh. Trying to think who my leadership role models. Uh, interestingly, as I grew up, um, I was very lucky when I was uh, uh, at university. My my, my sort of uh, fellows, even though it was university, I would still be working in the factory all the time uh, on weekends and things like that. And uh, I was also fortunate enough to be uh, in contact with lots of. Uh, business owners my father knew and I took I took great interest in seeing how they run their business how they make the decisions they make and how they evolve the business so my father was a salesman background and he uh, believed in the quality of relationship uh, to get the best out of people to develop the business and to have long term relationships to ensure long-term business um, and taking that as a start and then coupling it with other people that I met helped me for my view in the world. That's the best way to describe it. So I took it from a lot of people uh, and I was fortunate with a lot of uh, business leaders in the drinks industry mm. as well, lots of master blenders, etc. And I was fascinated how they ran the business and how they make those decisions. And uh, businesses do well, not so well, and I used all of that to help form my view on how you how you develop your own, how you develop your business for the future. Um, and some thirty years later, I'm still I'm still hoping I'm doing the right thing. I always take great, and I think that's it. I always think that's one of the best things you can do. Look Absolutely, on, look at the thoughts of other people. Now, of course, uh, leadership comes with its challenges, and one of them is dealing with conflict. How do you resolve conflict within the workplace? Um, uh, my brother 
that I work with um, has a, a great philosophy uh, about conflict in the workplace. Um, we he is always dead, and I uh, totally agree. We all we, we talk about it a lot. Is that people should get on with one another. You don't need to be best friends, but you need to get on it. You need to work harmoniously. Mm. And if you can't do that, then you've got you've got you've got a problem. And we always feel like so like I think what our, our our views are, you know, turn up to work on time, do a good day's work, get on well with your your colleagues, work harmoniously, and I'll pay you every fortnight, <laughs> and we'll get, and you can stay as long as you want. If you've got a problem, come and see us. We'll help you as much as we can. And if you need a hug and sort of figurative terms, we'll give you that hug to help you stay and be a success. If you struggle with that, then maybe this isn't the job for you. So <laughs> that's the limit. But we, we we put a lot of emphasis and we repeat it twice annually uh, in our talk to all of our staff when we do an address um, and say, you everybody's got to get on. Everybody's got to work harmoniously. There's no reason for acrimony or uh, disharmony in any way, shape or form. It's hard enough doing the job and we want mm-hmm. everybody to help contribute to do it as well as they can and stay as long as they want in the business because of it. Um, so the work environment's really precious. Um, and my brother Paul, uh, he preciously defends that aspect of it. Now, the other thing that's precious is time, and unfortunately we run through ours. Uh, so oh. before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Glencairn and Crystal? Oh, well, quite a lot. Um, we've been expanding our factory. We're growing it by about 50%. We're having another 25,000 square foot uh, building work right now, which are slightly paused. Um, and uh, this is the 20th anniversary of our Glencairn Glass this year. So we're getting geared up for celebrating that and lots of people enjoying drinking whiskey. Well, I know I do. Uh, (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) So, so, uh, Scott, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the program. We have to have you back on the show soon. Thank you very much. I'd be delighted. That was Scott Davidson, new product development director at Glencairn Crystal. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me, realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, just... yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, <laughs> one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, 
So Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and a manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd work with. So you're very fortunate. I think you just think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the talent of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy in the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident, I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships, and you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to, to be involved in my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously... Uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, playing came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, 
in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially I say about Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand. Whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you, it can have a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be, who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn song, and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing. In, in the team, but uh, in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think in Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. so mm. I, I had the, the impact of. Thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position, and somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Green's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. 
I was just happy to be you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't. You're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really. Looking back now, mm. so I never really felt. People talk about pressure a lot, and it's there. And people, players talk about. People talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall, they were great, hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. There's too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, The other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course, I jokingly say, "Yes, I was just about to to shoot to score the goal, and I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while, and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch.' So that uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke and make a joke about that, and saying, "Yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a glance round, you know." Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. But then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it, it, uh, 
um, it did but make me laugh that day. If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of the fans of, of West Ham and uh, Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitch is people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with... Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to. Their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely. Mm. You've got to take him as the first example. But Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the twenty-five, twenty-six, twenty-seven years that. Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently, since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, no question at all. 
I think they, uh, Ron Green was, yeah, the answer is straightforward. The answer is yes. Um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I'm going back from an earlier earlier question for me: the um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. The wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and- when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word, the word is team. the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes, you know, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, dedication, dedication to the job, Um, thinking about that that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, wait, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organization. And I think that's. You're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, 
and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go with the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.